Hi, and welcome to Uncurated Podcast, a platform for visual artists and designers to share their experiences and learn from each other. My name is Kelly. Um, today's guest is Tewa, and he is an art curator and uh, the founder of Tewa Art Gallery. Hi, Tewa. Hi. Tell us about Tewa. So Tewa is, a, is an artist and a when I say an artist, basically it's I have a creative process of how I I do my things, and one of the one of the things that I do as Tewa is I I run my online business, which is called Tewa's Art and Patrons, the registered business. So <clears throat> under Tewa's Art and Patrons, I have Tewa's Art Africa, which is an online uh, consultation platform where I write and contribute about the artists, and then I have Tewa's Art Gallery which is an online gallery. And then once in a while I do pop-up exhibitions. Like recently I did a Pink Flame at Village Market, which was a, a show dedicated to only women artists across the East African region. And I featured 44 artists uh, from six countries, which is Kenya, Uganda, Sudan, Tanzania, Somali, and Rwanda. So the way I see myself is I see myself as a as a a creative who's constantly trying to make a difference mm -hmm. in my community because I realize that uh, I have so many artists, friends, who they are constantly in their studios pro producing. But uh, I started questioning where does the art go, you know, and how do they even earn a living? Because, you know, you realize that uh, the, 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 the whole life of an artist is, is very complicated, where, especially when... They are working from a, a space where they don't have like uh, infrastructure and they're not being supported by the government. So you you constantly you're creating work, but you don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So that's what pushed me to launch like Towers Art and Patrons, and to figure out what I can do within my networks and my friends to see what I can do to my artist friends. So that's how I launched Towers Art and Patrons in 2019. Mm -hmm. But previously, I was working as a gallery manager for a gallery called Polkadot. And I worked for them since 2016, July, until 2019, February. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I gathered out of the, the experiences, like art curating, mm -hmm. like talking and branding and packaging an artist. And that's why, that's why I've done it uh, as a way to, it's more of like opening up the market. When I look at where, how things were being done at Polkadot, it was more of like a very exclusive uh, space whereby they decide the artists they want to work with. But for me, I'm very open because I've embraced social media as a way to also let in artists from, let's say, Sudan. Yeah. Because when when you only focus on Nairobi artists, which ones you can only visit their studios, it kind of limits you mm -hmm. on who you can work with. For, for me, I'm always very open in a sense that any artist can write me a, a DM and tell me, hey, I have these works available. And I'm always open to meeting them and to see what they are offering. Mm -hmm. So for the for the three years I've been running Tewas Art and Patrons, like I've achieved like tremendous results. At the same time, I face different challenges mm -hmm. depending on, uh, on the scope of the project, depending on what I'm handling each time. But generally, it's a very exciting experience, especially when you're dealing with uh, artists who are constantly evolving mm -hmm. and they're sh sharing very new, diverse stories and about the culture and 
and also advancing their technique here. Yeah. Um, speaking of Pink Flame, this was your most recent exhibition. Um, I attended the exhibition at Village Market and it was really, really interesting. I got to meet a lot of new artists and it was a very fun, open day. So it got me curious, how do you decide what type or which artists to represent and how do you pick your artists for your shows and your exhibitions? So uh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, so normally when, when, I'm, when I'm thinking of a, an idea, like for example, you won't believe it, but Pink Flame, I planned it for a whole year. Mm. So the first step is to like confirm the, the space. Because uh, there's a huge challenge in Nairobi, especially when, you, when it comes to having a physical, like a permanent physical space. The reason why I've kind of embraced like uh, online as my model is because the, the guarantee that you're going to make enough money to pay for, for space, it's never a guarantee because people don't buy art yeah. every day in Nairobi. Yeah. Most yeah. times, you know, there's a time when I have a lot of visitors coming in to the country. There's a time when they go silent for a long time. Mm -hmm. So for me, the best model that has always worked for me is to only hire a space whenever necessary. Mm -hmm. So one of the, the first steps when I'm planning an exhibition is, first of all, I, I confirm the space, either reserving or I'm, or I'm uh, preparing it. Like, for example, my previous show before Pink Flame, I did a charity exhibition with uh, Organic Farmers Market at uh, Kilimani. Mm -hmm. And they literally built a new space inside the the, the social hall. Mm -hmm. So they, they are, it, it always varies. Sometimes you would find you get sponsors who want to fund the whole project. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to go into your resources to, to get the, the space. So once I identify the, the space, I now def, de decide which kind of artist would go well in that space. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you would, uh, personally, I would really want to showcase as many artists as possible. Mm -hmm. But now when you, when, when, when I come to think of it in terms of medium, the, how delicate the medium is, it now narrows me down to specifics in terms of which kind of artists I'm going to put. For yeah. example, in the village market exhibition, mm -hmm. there are a lot of uh, like uh, guidelines when you, there is a written agreement that you sign with the space. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can drill their hole or maybe you cannot drill their hole. Mm -hmm. So some spaces, they give you the freedom to just do everything that you can do. Some spaces, they would be like, no, you can just, you can use the nails we have. Mm -hmm. So normally when there are those guidelines, I try to only focus on works on canvas. So I try to see also the paintings that are easier to ship. When a buyer buys, it's very easier to ship canvas because we roll them in a tube and then we, we ship them. Mm -hmm. But when you have, a, let's say, a painting you've done in, on a board and uh, you have to incur a lot of expenses when you are shipping the artwork, it doesn't make sense when you're shipping, when the shipping is more expensive than the artwork. It actually mm -hmm. complicates the whole thing. Okay. Apart from that, mm -hmm. I have uh, mostly been focused on artists from Sudan Mm -hmm. And I've been giving them an, uh, an, an uh, opportunity because there's been a civil war in Sudan for, for some time now. Yeah. And a lot of artists are going through a lot of challenge to promote their work. So for me, I've been trying my best to also create that change as an African contemporary curator. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to give them a platform. And then they are, they're, lastly, there are artists that have, have invested my time and resources in their work. And... Uh, what mostly draws me to decide which artist is mostly 
in a sense of how I connect with their work and their stories. I'm the kind of curator who mostly I'm more drawn to the story. I try mm-hmm. to dig deeper behind the story that pushes the artist to be who they are. Mm-hmm. So when I feel the story needs a lot of attention, I then decide to package the artist and to figure out how to promote their work. Mm-hmm. It's a process that takes time. Sometimes it could take six months or one year mm-hmm. because I also have to see how consistent they are mm-hmm. because some artists take time to also produce a painting mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense in a more of a, a commercial way because okay. either way I have to make money from from any projects that yeah. I that I've put in my money here. Yeah. Mm. So does that mean you maintain relationships with your artists like maybe visit their studios or yeah. Yeah, I do that a lot. I fi- I I personally think 80% of the of the work is actually done in the studios because mm-hmm. the studio the an artist studio is very sacred. I I find like a, a lot of artists the ones who are really doing well Mm-hmm. They treat their studios with a lot of respect, you know. There's a routine and they always uh, like uh, show up on time in the studio. And I think most of my best moments as a curator, they are in the studios. Mm-hmm. For me, the exhibition and arranging the artworks, it's more of like uh, the climax of what I've experienced mm-hmm. in the studio. Okay. My model is kind of open because some of the clients or collectors, they kind of meet the artist halfway in the studio. Others want to come when the artworks are properly arranged to give them an idea of how they will look in their house. Mm-hmm. Some collectors, the ones who are very passionate in the buying, they actually enjoy the studio. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think my practice is mostly glued in the studio. Without the studio, I don't think I would be able to, to do my, my, my curating as terror. So for me, I find it very special because when, when you are an artist and uh, you are figuring things out. Mm-hmm. I think that's the moment that you really need to be in seclusion. Mm-hmm. The only challenge that we, we deal with uh, is you find like a lot of galleries. They actually corrupt the, the routine of the, of the artist because they want maybe the artist to produce more pieces within a short time frame. So for me, I try to give the artist the freedom to actually like make mistakes. And sometimes I would actually... If I, if I maybe I'm planning for an exhibition and the artist is not ready, I would actually cancel the show just to oh. just to give them the time because at the end of the day, I feel like the artist has to be really ready for it. Uh-huh. But you find sometimes when the business becomes too commercial, uh-huh. you actually find uh, like uh, other curators or galleries who really control their artists. And it, it kind of sometimes really make the artist feel like under pressure and mm-hmm. they, they end up ruining the whole process. So for mm-hmm. me, the process is very, very important. And the studio is very, I consider it very sacred in terms of how the artist works. And the studio can be, most artists actually, some of them work from their home. Yeah. Others work from their rented apartment. Others, they share studios with other friends. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of collectives in Nairobi as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it always depends. It always depends with the, where I'm meeting the artists. Some, I would meet them online. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the Sudanese artists, I've never met them. We just oh, okay. engage online mm-hmm. and they would give me a video of where they work from and they would give me a background story. Mm-hmm. For me, I like the stories because yeah. the, through the stories is how I can now get into the, the soul of the buyer. Yeah. But if I don't, if I, if I like a painting and I don't have a story, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I'm lying <laughs> when, I'm, yeah. when I'm trying to sell the painting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think for me also art definitely is just more powerful with context. 
So I also relate to art when I know the story or when I know something about the artist. But that's very unique that you can actually stop a whole exhibition just because the artist says that they don't that they don't feel ready. I feel like that's a very unique thing to yeah, do. Yeah, and, and I, I think re- yeah. I think I think in my opinion I would actually encourage a lot of uh, like uh, anyone who is trying to do like for example what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think you know you know the whole idea of buying and selling art it's it's also been been corrupted mm-hmm. by by individuals who are also trying just to rip off artists yeah, and you know quick money. and uh, yeah. the the biggest struggle that a good number of my artists deal with is they don't have the confidence to say no but mm-hmm. normally when they are contacted by a gallery it's always assumed that you have to say yes mm-hmm. but i think if you're an artist who has who stands a ground mm-hmm. i think in the long term you gain yeah. so much value you know mm-hmm. if yeah. you have a way to to tell a gallery like hey that's not how i work this is how i work mm-hmm. it it will actually make them to reconsider yeah how they handle you next time yeah but the biggest problem that we deal with is also the artists want they want to make quick money mm-hmm. so they don't have the confidence to tell the galleries that i'm not ready yeah and which ends up you you meet an artist and you ask them how was that exhibition then they don't seem happy and they would mm-hmm. they would actually make it uh, they would explain to you why they're not happy and it always comes back to the way they were handled in the in the studio oh, yeah. because they produced so many paintings within a less yeah. time frame yeah. and then the clans or the, the the viewers feel like the the work is rushed yeah so for viewers me can always tell for me i try yeah. to give the artists the, that sacred time because mm. i think that is the most special time for the artist mm. the transaction is not really as important as the studio time yeah Okay. Wow, that's really interesting. Um so I was speaking to an artist uh, in a previous well not the latest but in another episode on my podcast and he was speaking about how he prefers his artwork to speak for himself and he doesn't necessarily want to be caught on camera or to show his face or to use his voice to quote unquote tint his work. He wanted his work to speak for itself and allow the viewer to impose whatever judgment or whatever um whatever they think that they yeah. observe from the art so i wanted to ask you in regards to that do you think that it's important for an artist to have networks and to talk about his or her or work yeah. in or in the open or in public or do you think that art can also sell itself So my response to that would be it's a, it's very relative mm-hmm. and it depends a lot on uh, on why the artist is doing the art. Normally there is either you are commercial you, you know there are artists who are extremely commercial they want to to paint to sell then there are other artists who are trying to search or find themselves mm-hmm. and uh, before even you start I'll, I'll use an example like when you want to join the army you have to have a reason why you're joining the army because it's a matter of life and death you know mm-hmm. so you have to to either you want to fight for your country you know there's always a reason mm-hmm. why you're doing it mm-hmm. so it's the same kind of reason when you want to be an artist the gift can be there the first stage of actually becoming an artist is you have to have the the talent mm-hmm. then when you have the talent you have to decide why you are doing it are you doing it as a commercial practice or are you trying to say send a message mm-hmm. so normally when you do you are 
work as a commercial. You don't have a choice. If you are yeah. if you are called by a client to explain the work, you will have to explain because mm. you've already signed an agreement with your buyers that mm. that you are, you are, you are, you want their money. <laughs> so you don't have a choice. Yeah. But when you're actually doing the work like uh, to send a message or to connect with your inner self, I think you have so much power mm-hmm. to say no to any uh, outside energy, you know. But you know when you when you want to connect with yourself then you can't get connect yourself by looking outward you have to look inward so for me my 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 honest opinion it's very it varies there are artists that i know who are in exclusive contracts and by exclusive i mean they are only represented by one or two gallerists and when you're signing an exclusive agreement there is a part that that tells you that when the gallery needs you to talk about your work or do interviews you have to show up mm. so when you when you when your business model or approach is more commercial mm-hmm. i don't think you have a choice yeah but when you actually you if you don't have any contracts and you are actually just uh, caught up in your studio mm. and you figured out a way to to pay your bills and survive mm-hmm. i think you have so much power to decide how you want to play your your game but in my opinion it's it's very re- relative because there are also artists who have who are in contracts but they also keep they reserve the right not to show up mm. to these talks and all that mm-hmm. so for me it 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 comes back to why you're doing it mm. because if you're doing it for, for the artists who also do it for the instagram you know mm-hmm. they want to be famous on instagram and that's it mm-hmm. they don't want to actually make money out of it or they maybe they just want to be popular Or they want to be on interviews magazines you know there's always a reason why you want to do something but if you choose to be i think when you choose to be an artist i don't think you decide whether you want to be famous it, it's something that actually just happens mm, a lot yeah. of the very famous artists actually are not they don't decide to be famous Mm-hmm. they actually produce really amazing work and then yeah. the work now draws a lot of attention yeah. because when your career grows you start getting like oh maybe CNN want you don't choose that yeah. it's something that just organically your career grows mm-hmm. and then you attract that audience so i think i would advise a lot of artists to to first of all connect with themselves you know when you connect with yourself and you know who you are mm-hmm. it also gives you the confidence to know how to handle every stage of your career yeah but i think a lot of uh, a lot of times you find artists not even connect they don't know who they are yeah so if 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 you get a lot of these limelight you know you get confused you mm. know you don't even know what to do yeah so for me the first the first process of actually becoming an artist mm-hmm. is connecting with yourself Yeah. When you know who you are, it decides your medium, your stories, your mm-hmm. technique or what you're trying to tell people. Yeah. And then once you once you identify what speaks to you, then I think you are ready to face the yeah. the audience. Yeah. But the the problem is if you're trying to to face the audience and you don't know who you are, mm-hmm. then it actually would end up crushing your 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 emotions or you'll feel like you are you rushed something yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think it's it's a process it's a gradual process and that's why there's a time that you're in university then you come out you have yeah. to go through like a drought you know yeah, you're producing yeah. and you're not selling yeah. then you get one or two people who are interested in your work and then they access you to another audience and then 
you get a journalist who writes about you, gives credibility to your work, and then mm. you get a buyer. Yeah. A buyer takes you to maybe in another country. You do another exhibition. It's a process. Yeah. And I think the best thing to do it is just to respect, to trust the process and respect the reason why you started doing in the first uh, place the art, the art in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also find when an artist completely um, lets like surrenders to themselves and understands why they're doing the artwork, they really come up with really interesting themes. And you get to connect with them as a person through the artwork, regardless yeah. of whether they're talking about it or not. Yeah. So let's say, for example, if it's like a topic of school and the experience or maybe the rebellion against school. Yeah, yeah. And they really, really identify with the feelings of why they did not want to go to school or maybe why they decided to go to school. And they put that in a canvas or whatever medium they choose. Yeah. You feel like someone who shares that same opinion finds a place to connect and finds a place where they can relate and that's now how the work becomes more powerful yeah. so yeah maybe to add on that mm. i find a lot of uh so sudanese artists have been have been through very extreme like civil war mm. and uh i once did the previous exhibition i did uh, it was called obumu and i featured a couple of sudanese artists and there's one one client who came and told me why are sudanese paintings so dark yeah, he just he just said in a maybe he didn't even think of what he was telling me, <coughs> mm -hmm. but actually, like I I got the 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 reason why he told me that, and yeah. actually and actually told him, yeah, have you been following news from Sudan? And that's what I asked him. So mm -hmm. then that's when when he connected about the civil war, yeah. he understood because when when you're an artist and you've been producing in a in a in a, in an area that has tension, mm -hmm. so how do you even think of money? And one of one of the Sudanese artists told me over the phone because some of them I just talked with them on WhatsApp, and they told me, "Tell her if you are painting in your studio, and you hear riots and, and gunshots, mm. do you think of money? Do you think of selling?" Yeah. I think for them they just think of how to express themselves yeah. and release that tension, mm -hmm. the fear mm -hmm. of the unknown. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all they want. Yeah. If they sell, well and good. Yeah. But when you're when you are in that space where you've totally surrendered, yeah. I, I don't think you have control of your of your audience. Yeah. But the problem yeah. the problem is always when the artist wants to control the buyers, you want mm. to control the curator, you want mm -hmm. to control everything. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. I think you have to play your part yeah. as an artist mm -hmm. and then trust the process. Mm -hmm. But if you are constantly trying to prove something, you're trying mm. like you end up losing everything because if a writer wants to come and, and, and write really mean things about your work, mm -hmm. do you have any control over that? No. Or a curator come and says your work is trash. Mm -hmm. You don't have any control. Yeah. The, the only thing you can you can control is putting in the hours yeah. and, and refining your, your, your process yeah. and deciding your next yeah. direction and being authentic to and your authenticity experience. exactly yeah. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't control how a buyer will will react to your work so yeah, yeah. for me i think that that's why i'm that's why I'm, I, I strongly believe mm -hmm. if you go back to yourself mm -hmm. where you're coming from yeah your home you are mm -hmm. you are you are where you you grew up your past your mm -hmm. memories mm -hmm. i think you'll find you'll find yeah. something that really connects to you okay yeah um so speaking of buyers um, let's say I've never been into an art gallery 
or even bought any art how would you advise me as a newbie basically yeah. to start collecting art so so the good news is uh, mm-hmm. nowadays uh, you don't have to actually have an access to an art gallery to to start buying mm-hmm. I, th- i think a good number of artists in east africa or even globally mm-hmm. i think they have an instagram account So one of the things that pushed artists to create their Instagram account Instagram has become like the most easy way to to actually share their art and galleries curators like me and 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 uh, and art fairs they have embraced Instagram as a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. You'll be shocked but sometimes I I I sell most of my buyers I get I meet them on Instagram. Even oh. older collectors oh. are now even creating Instagram accounts because they have realized they're missing out. Oh, okay, the okay. paintings are being sold faster on Instagram uh-huh. rather than in the galleries. So one of the things that I would encourage you is first of all to decide your budget. So mm-hmm. one of the things that collectors do most of the the genuine buyers who buy several times they decide in a, when the year is beginning they decide their their budget mm. then once you decide your budget you decide what you can afford mm. so once you identify your budget let's say you want to buy a painting of let's say 300 dollars or 30000 kenya shillings mm-hmm. you would first of all decide which artists and which centers you want to visit mm-hmm. you can go on instagram slowly and start following the artists and mm-hmm. then don't feel shy to ask how much mm. because you can only know the price yeah once you ask yeah also uh, tip number two, you don't feel shy to buy unframed work because you can always buy and frame later yeah okay another idea that i can give is also to to create long term relationship with the artist because when the artist sees that you actually more committed to their work they would actually give you a better price mm. so it's always a long term process but if you are fortunate and you have money i don't mm-hmm. think you yeah. need any strategies you just spend the money <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's my opinion. Um uh yeah, okay. That's fine. Um so as our pioneer in the art scene, um what impact are you trying to have on the art industry and in the art community? Even as So maybe yeah. maybe I wouldn't I wouldn't Personally I wouldn't see myself as a pioneer because there've been people before me. Okay. In in the kind of work. Maybe I'm a pioneer in a sense of that I'm I'm running an online gallery and I don't own a physical space, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to do so much with limited resources. Mm-hmm. And uh one of the vision that for me I have and it's it came it 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 began with Pink Flame was first of all I want to give a lot of a lot of uh like a uh, time in the idea of pink flame and mm-hmm. especially so pink flame was just basically to to introducing some new names especially the women artists because i realized the scene here is very male dominated mm-hmm. like like it's and i'm not seeing i'm not saying it in terms of a in a political sense i just see that if if you're looking for uh, like to buy from young women artists mm-hmm. you you would go and you sometimes you see an exhibition that is titled women artists and you see male artists in it so oh. it's it's something for me it's it's something that i want to give more of my time to actually bring more especially tanzanian ugandans mm. and uh, and just to bring out these artists because i realize most of them are lost in their creative space and there are very few curators who are going to mm. meet them halfway mm-hmm. so i'm trying my best to to get them out you know 
mm-hmm. and and connect them to some of these uh, industry players yeah. so that if if uh, a, a gallerist gives an excuse that they don't know any women artists mm. then people will just realize that maybe it's a game you know mm. so for me another thing that i want to do is also i want to also invest more time in visiting studios in sudan and uh, other countries that have been working with them online like uh, i know a south cameroonian artist i've never met him but we've been working online so i want to try my best to also visit mm-hmm. and and do an exchange program mm-hmm. whereby these artists are coming to nairobi mm-hmm. and nairobi artists are going to other countries because i also i also realized one of the biggest challenge, challenges is exposure mm-hmm. because the reason why a lot of nairobi artists do things the way they do mm-hmm. is because they have a closed mindset and this the same reason why another country another artist from another country why they would do what they do mm-hmm. is because of the closed mindset so for me my goal is actually to to run an open program mm-hmm. where artists can travel within the region and exchange ideas because yeah. one of the things that really excited me is is a tanzanian artist who came the pink flame she was the only Tanz- tanzanian and she came to the opening mm-hmm. and later on she was telling me i've never seen like uh, a lot of interest like people just coming and they're interested in the art mm-hmm. not necessarily buying but they're mm-hmm. just glued and enjoying the art you know mm-hmm. and and it it was really exciting for her to actually engage with kenyan artists like i felt like i felt mm-hmm. so bad for the sudanese artists who couldn't come because yeah. if they if that show i had tanzanians ugandans sudanese all of them here mm-hmm. i think it would really be a really beautiful experience yeah, because be so nice. because they will be talking about their experience in Sudan yeah. and and the Kenyan artists will talk about the experience in Nairobi yeah. and i think Nairobi artists would even learn something and give yeah so that is something yeah. that i want yeah. to actually give a lot of uh, like uh, attention in the future just to do that exchange program this has been amazing thank you for coming on the podcast you're most welcome and if you'd like to see more of tower's work follow his instagram page at tower's at gallery and on the bio you'll find links to the website and everything else you would like to know um let me know if you've ever attended any of tower's um at gallery's exhibitions and let me know which experiences were on our instagram at uncurated.podcast you can dm or leave a comment on any of the posts and I will reply to you. Um thank you so much for watching and subscribe and like and rate this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, you can leave me a voice note and I'll see you in the next episode. Nice.